0: From the vault, high atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hey
1: everybody, this is Talking Catholic. I'm Pete Sanchez and with me is Michael Walsh. We are here on, it's middle February, Mike. What happened to Dude,
2: I can't believe you. All the goofy ways you start the podcast and you didn't start it by saying, Happy Valentine's Day,
1: Mike. Happy Valentine's I apologize. I cannot believe
2: that. I mean, this is going up on uh, Thursday. I was certain you were going to start the podcast by wishing me a happy Valentine's Day. I'm sorry. Well, I happy. guess I'm not your Valentine. All right, whatever.
1: No. Nope. Um,
2: okay, don't say anything now. I'm already offended. Darn it. Darn
1: it. Yes, it is Valentine's Day, so if, I hope you have your chocolate hearts and your chocolate bears and your marshmallow peeps. Chocolate bears? Yeah, don't they have chocolate bears out there? Uh, like the big ones that you can buy? Uh, They're hollow. Uh,
2: well, I think there are many chocolate-formed <laughs> structures that you can you can give a person. I was a little surprised you had narrowed it down to chocolate bears, because usually you give a teddy bear uh, well, as a you know a, a fluffy.
1: You're right, I but, guess. Uh, but no, sure, chocolate bears. I think that's nice too. I combine the two. You know what is really cool, Mike, and I'm so happy they have? The Build-A-Bear.
2: You mean in general that they yeah. they exist?
1: Yeah, they have one at the Cherry Hill Mall. They have a Build a Bear workshop. I was just there last week. I needed to uh, needed to get jeans. Um,
2: so you went to the Build a Bear shop?
1: No, I went through the mall. Oh, okay. To Old Navy, where you know I go to all these different places. I try to stay away from the, the hipper ones. I don't know Abercrombie and Fetch. It's not really my style. But anyway. um,
2: I wish there were people here right now. We'd all (laughs) laugh together. But all right, keep going.
1: But uh, I'm not hip. I'm not hip enough for Abercrombie or American Eagle. But. You uh, seem like
2: more like a Hollister man to me.
1: Hollister? Um, That's another hip brand. I guess maybe uh, J. Crew. Sure, I could see that.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I'm more of an L.L. Bean.
1: You know, L.L. Bean is rustic. I do like. Yeah. will being me. in an REI?
2: My my goal is uh my my fashion style is lumberjack. Uh, that's my preferred fashion style is lumberjack.
1: That is well I just got a nice flannel for uh, Christmas.
2: <laughs> is there anything other than a nice flannel? Flannels the best. You're right.
1: Hey, Amen. But we'll show the builder bear. So I was just saying we're, if we we can get back to the if we can get back to the bears. It's just like a cool concept about I did this years ago. I made a stuffed uh, stuffed animal for uh my sister and uh my little sister, um, when I was in college, and it's just like the coolest idea, you know. It's just neat, like you can create your own plush animal. Like it's I can't,
2: man, I can't even, listen. Uh, as a the father of a ten year old, we went through the build a bear phase where every every birthday party was at a build a bear store. There no, were really there were, oh yeah yeah you, you, there were many build a bears around the house. It's uh. Oh yeah, I'm actually a little happy that we're sort of beyond that phase now—the uh, the plushy phase. But oh yeah, yeah, build a bear. I am well, well familiar with the build a bear.
1: Yeah, it's um, uh, you know, I, I remember the birthday parties I had was Chuck E. Cheese.
2: I've never been to a Chuck E. Cheese. Consider. Uh, I consider myself lucky that I. I was going to say, you
1: know, but the thing is, it's a little slice of Americana that is very interesting to see these animatronic. Was that intended characters. to be a pun? Oh, slice! Yeah, it's a, lo- a little cheesy slice okay. of Americana. Got it. Um, wow, I didn't even know that. Nope, wasn't but intended. Didn't it, think No, so. it just worked. It just worked out perfectly. But yeah, the Chuck E. Cheese, they're very. I mean, there's that, and you know, you talk about the Waffle House. I think it's kind of that Americana of these just places. All right, let me just stop you there. Get, you I, can't
2: put Chuck E. Cheese and Waffle House in the same sentence. I get what you're saying about. There is an iconicness to a Chuck E. Cheese and an ac- iconicness to a Waffle House. But one is, you know, gastro uh, nirvana, and the other is a place where there's a ton of screaming kids and some video games and pizza and animator- animatronic people or animals.
1: Yeah, um, which I think, you know, I, okay, I can, I can agree with that. I apologize because I've never been to a Waffle House. So That's th- disturbing. I do hope to— You know, but see, there's a difference here. I do want to go to a Waffle House eventually. I kind of never want to go to Chuck E. Cheese again. Uh, Sorry. Mm. Um, But it's just, uh, yeah, no birthday parties and and, uh, Build-A-Bear. I wish I kind of, like I said, I wish, uh, but it was just fun. So Valentine's Day, and and do you have plans, Mike, with your beloved? No, no, no.
2: My wife and I... um uh despise valentine's day we believe it's a made-up day for people to make other people feel bad and uh no we don't do anything for i I think uh, much like our anniversary there may be a high five in there uh but um no it's actually uh the valentine's day is actually our half year anniversary we were uh, married on uh, august 14th so february 14th is our half half year anniversary and uh yeah no Almost no celebration of it of any kind, not, a, not barely even a card, maybe a wink if I want to be particularly cheeky, but uh, <laughs> no, nah, it's just, it was never a big deal. Growing up, you know, I'm me, so it wasn't like, uh, you know, Valentines were coming flying at me in my youth, um, you know, this, this wonderful personality that you, you get to see on a regular basis It's about the same personality I had as a young person too so you know it wasn't that my dating life was not all that great to begin with um
1: so no yeah
2: no big deal well, I, I, NBD we do stuff for Jack but that's about it
1: oh that's not well yeah, yeah we um it's just I remember going to school and uh <laughs> I don't know if they still do this in Catholic schools but we have the little plastic little paper bag attached to our desks and you always wanted to see, you know, what cute girl oh, gave you the would put something, uh yeah. Oh my gosh, I got one from Nicole or I can say Nicole because I had a fourth grade girlfriend. Oh well. Hey, that was uh Da, la, you
2: know? no wonder if Valentine's Day is important. But uh yeah. no. Yeah. yeah she well, gave that's cool.
1: you know what she gave me a mood ring for February. This mm. is how she was. She gave me a mood ring that I promptly lost in a the Cherry Hall Mall bathroom.
2: Oh, that's disturbing.
1: That is disturbing. Yeah, weird. But um then, what she did for a prank on April Fool's, she gave me little, uh, she said, Oh, here, like, um, I thought there were little Oreos. No, she took Oreos and replaced them with toothpaste.
2: Ew, that's not good.
1: That's diabolical. That is diabolical. So, that's I think I like that girl. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Probably not while we're together. No, she, she <coughs> actually left, left the school. So, mm. but, um, I like her a lot. But uh, yeah, so, um, well, and we got other. Well, before we get into that, you
2: want to? Uh, I guess we can talk a little bit about. Uh, so Valentine's Day, we're being kind of cheeky and everything like that yesterday was sort of a big day in the diocese um, because uh, Bishop Sullivan, along with the other four bishops of New Jersey, released the names of the credibly accused priests um, in uh, in all the diocese of New Jersey. Um, so uh, that's the the first time that that has been released on Moss, um, and it was uh you know I think people are still re- recording this while people are, are getting it. It's actually the day before Valentine's Day as we record this, and um, you know we're kind of curious. To see, I'm kind of curious to see what the reaction is going to be. I mean it's a lot of it's a lot of names, but it's. Um, you know, they're all from cases that were that occurred before 1995. Um, it's everybody that um, that has ever been reported to the diocese, and it's been determined to be credibly uh, a credible accusation. And um, it's, you know, the the uh, the release of it is the idea is to uh, help people sort of understand, you know, help victims uh, in their process of coming to grips by by having their the um, the perpetrators brought to uh, brought to light. And I, I think it's intended to uh, make sure that the people know that, you know, since you know, since this scandal first broke in 2002, you know, the dioceses across the country have been, and across the world have been working very hard to make sure that that our churches and our schools and our parishes are places of safety where people can be confident that there are procedures and policies in place to protect them and their loved ones from being abused and um, one of the things that sort of goes to the, the credibility of being able to say that we, we provide that is also releasing the names of those who have been accused of, of child sexual abuse. So that went out yesterday. Um, and it can be all five dioceses have the list up on their websites. Um, you can also, I'm sure, find it in the media by now. But we, uh, you know, it was an important first step, and it was something that, uh, or an an additional step in the process, not a first step, but an additional step in the process, and something Bishop Sullivan felt very strongly about. Uh, He'll actually be speaking about it at all masses, at all churches around the diocese this weekend, and a video message that he'll be recording uh, later today, and um, he... uh, You know, I just hope that um, it brings some solace to not just the victims, but certainly them primarily, but also the people of the diocese that they know that, um, you know, the, the diocese is really making a concerted effort to help people to understand that, you know, the lessons of the past have been learned and going forward. Uh, the goal is to do things properly in a way that um, fosters credibility and truth, and and make sure that we're we're raising up the people who need raising up in this case, victims, and not not holding them down. So, oh,
1: thanks for that, Mike. Sure, sure. Um,
2: didn't want to didn't want to record the podcast without. Uh, I think it's important enough that it should be included in this, even though I know we, we try to keep things pretty up. And, and uh, you know, that that's the goal of this podcast is to let people know that uh, all the good things going on in the diocese and around the world. But every now and again, something is big enough that I think it needs to be discussed or at least brought up. So anyway, yeah,
1: and he, everything can be found on KimDiocese.org as well, yeah. at least from our diocese. Yep. And And
2: it'll also be in the Catholic Star Herald this week. Yes, and you'll—I know—you can already tell tell you're going to find it in the Philadelphia Inquirer, the Courier Post, nj.com, all your usual news sources.
1: Of course, your parishes this weekend.
2: And of course, uh, Bishop will be talking about it specifically at the parishes this weekend. Yep. Um, So, what else do we have going around the diocese?
1: Well, we have coming up. uh, Of course, this is Black History Month. Bishop Sullivan will celebrate a mass. at St. Charles Barmeo Church on February 24th. That is at 176 Stagecoach Road in Sicklerville. That is uh, Sunday, February 24th, he'll celebrate the 2.30 mass at St. Charles Barmeo Church in Sicklerville and the light reception will follow. So come on out for Black History Month, uh, mass with Bishop Sullivan, February 24th, 2019, St. Charles Barmeo at 2.30. And this is a cool event. the youth, I actually spent some time, Mike, I was uh, with the Young Church of Stockton with Bishop Sullivan this past Sunday. And it was awesome uh, just to see these kids. But the good work of the, uh, the ministry office of uh, Youth Ministry, Young Adult Ministry. This is going to be the Youth Leader uh, Missionary Discipleship and You, How to Create Missionary Disciples. It's going to be Saturday, March 2nd, 2019, 9.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. at Assumption Regional Catholic School. And this is for teens in grades 8 through 12 to come on out and learn for a for great day of leadership, uh, socialization, fellowship um, at 146 South Pitney Road in Galloway, New Jersey. Again, Saturday, March 2nd, 9.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. Assumption Regional Catholic School. Call Greg Coogan at 856-583-2908 for more information and come together with the uh, fellow young church of the diocese. And that same day, down in camp here in Camden, New Jersey, lay Ministry Formation is sponsoring a, a, it's it's a retreat retreat day called to be holy. It is going to be. Uh, it says here, you know, talks about one of the things Pope Francis has talked about how Jesus wants us to be saints, and not to settle for a bland and mediocre existence. So come on out here. Uh, how we can discover ordinary lives. You know, how, how we can help our lives become, uh, get, grow in holiness, grow in holiness. Uh, so this workshop is open to the public and is strongly recommended for any who work in, uh, in ministry. This is at Sacred Heart High Center. Actually, I'm sorry, it's not in Camden. It's in Vineland at Sacred Heart High Center, 15 North East Avenue in Vineland from ten a- 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., $25, uh, checks payable to the Diocese of Camden, and bring a lunch, uh, a light breakfast, and drinks will be provided. And uh, Mary Neary will be the presenter for this event. It's a retreat day for our spiritual formation and find out how all of us are called to be holy. For more information, contact Colleen Mayhew, the Lay Ministry Formation Secretary. And all information is all of this all these announcements and more are in org, and yeah, org on the calendar on the right hand side. Oh Mike, we got to talk about coming up this is this is great. Uh in April once again the faithful food drive is happening. Yes. In the yes it is.
2: That's always a it's always a really nice day where we uh we get looted up with uh goods for the needy in the area who um you know, it, it, there's always a lot of food drives around Thanksgiving and Christmas. But what people don't realize is that you know, you know f- food instability is something that's year round. It's actually worse in the summertime. Um, but uh, sort of to to help that and, and help people on uh, you know in the in those off months, uh, the other you know ten months of the year. Um, we're hosting this faithful food drive, so it's actually a little later than usual this year, and I'm I'm kind of happy about that because I think it's uh, it'll help the food banks even more, being a little bit being a little bit past, um, you know, usually do it mid March. So uh, yeah, it's uh, what when is it, April seventh, Sunday, April seventh. Yeah. So uh, your parishes will have information about uh, how and when food will be collected, but it'll be the same as last year. It'll be got to make sure it's uh, non-perishable foods, preferably yeah. uh, canned foods, and um, and boxed foods with a long shelf life and, uh, yeah, bring stuff out. We always – I know my parish always loads up on stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited for this. It's always a great day to help uh, help those uh, who are hungry. And mm-hmm. uh, according to t- statistics, this is, uh, this is heartbreaking. One in six people and one in five children here in South Jersey, they suffer from food insecurity, uh, mm-hmm. which means they might not know where their next meal is coming from. So help help them out. Help these individuals get a stable, stable uh, future. Yeah, and uh, and help them fill their bellies mm-hmm. and and uh, we realize here that we're so blessed and you know just um, no. It's so it's
2: important for us though, those of us who have to to help others. Exactly. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, even when we're tired and we're bitter and we're angry, or maybe that's just me, um, we got to also remember that despite that, we have to be. Helping people in other ways, and even those of us like yourself who are good-hearted and nice and kind, that um, we still have to do other stuff. That that uh, like we can't just be good-hearted, nice, and kind. We have to be good-hearted, nice, and kind. We have to marry those to actions.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We need. you know, We we can have faith.
2: The good word and, and the actions. good works.
1: Good work, good works. I like that. Mm-hmm. And come on out. I, I'm looking forward to that. That Sunday, April seventh, the Faithful Food Drive, and of course, you'll get more. As the weeks go on, there'll be more information coming up. So That's just right. save the date. Maybe we'll have Mary
2: McCusker on. She's the one uh, currently leading it up, much oh, to great. her chagrin. And uh, we'll have to have her on and, and drive her insane with asking crazy questions she can't answer. Well, uh, My favorite thing.
1: You know, but she, she is so lovely, and I always love her in the fall. And I always think of that Mary Poppins song. It's a jolly holiday with Mary.
2: I have never thought of that once.
1: It just popped in my head because okay, she's well jolly. She would appreciate you should
2: text that to her. You, she would appreciate that today, I think.
1: Uh, well, the um, maybe I will, or, or we should put if she we do get her in, we'll put it on a board. We still need to get that whiteboard for people to sign eventually. Why are you looking at me? And we saying, didn't say I'm it was a whiteboard. We, it was.
2: It's supposed to be a canvas. You go out and canvas. get the canvas. I'll hang it up on the wall.
1: Okay, I still need to do that. Okay. Um, if anybody, any any business has a canvas. That they would like to donate. To.
2: Donate? <laughs> Go to Hobby Lobby and pick up a big canvas.
1: I hear they're opening a Hobby Lobby near me. I'm very excited.
2: Well, do do so.
1: And, Mike, I have a question. Do you jazz. like jazz? I do like jazz. You do? I, I do, too. They're just something. Um, Honestly, I for years I've had Ken Burns' jazz, the, the music, mm-hmm. in a box set, six CDs. And I just put it on last weekend. It's been great listening to... Uh, Stan Gilbert I think mm-hmm. that's his name Or or Jal Gilberto He, he There's a Stan Getz. Desafinado Okay Is a great song And then of course You have Duke Ellington You have Louis Armstrong mm-hmm. Ella Fitzgerald Dave Brubeck uh, You know There's just something About jazz It's just Maybe it's, it's great a, You know And it's I think it's The creative aspect of it it's Oh just that's really, Yeah You know it's just I don't know. I just, it's something, um, as somebody who has played the piano and is trying to pick it back up, it'd be great to really. There's just something, there's the imp- improvisation. Mm-hmm. There's the, you know, people just, you know, whenever I see jazz musicians, they just look like they're having the best fun up there. I agree. And they're all talented. Yep. So, the, the, the Diocese of Camden's Black Catholic Ministries and Cultural Diversity, I'm excited is going to have the 28th annual Afternoon of Jazz Plus on Sunday, April 28th at Aletto Caters in Almaneson, New Jersey, 1849 Cooper Street, from 2 to 7 p.m. Fun fellowship, a superb buffet dinner, and dancing to the renowned sounds of the Max. I might be there. I might put that on my calendar. Sunday, April 28th.
2: You should make it. It should be fun.
1: Yeah. It's a... Costs us $50 per person. For more info, call Joanne Janeiro at 856 583 2904 or the chairperson, Lisa Scott Coley, at 856 313 7443. And this is cool. Uh, it's, all proceeds benefit the Black Catholic Ministries and Cultural Diversity Scholarship Fund. So th- that's really come out for a good cause. Listen to some great music, great food. You meet new friends and and dancing. I'm excited. Sunday, April 28th. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then, Mike, we, uh, we're going to talk about the i for Vocations.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is uh, that is coming up. It's uh, going to be early this year. It's going to be uh, March. Shoot. I can't remember the March date. March thirty 20-
1: is it, is it the 31st I think it's the 31st yeah the 31st at Washington Lake Park again and this is we've talked about the iris before we uh sorry Mike I lost my train of thought here I thought I had this right in front of me and it disappeared on me hey yay social media um but uh, this will be fun events your calendar yeah it's the eighth annual Irish for vocations 5k run one mile walk at Washington Lake Park in Sewell. So, again, that's uh, March 31st. Uh, register for free. And go to camdenpriest.org slash irace4, the number four vocations. And this, I'm excited to be there. Always, you know, pray for good weather.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, they, I tell you, I mean, prayers, definitely prayers for good weather, as well as for vocations. But um, they... Uh they always get it though. It's they. I don't think they've had a rainy day yet. No. They may, it may be a cold day in March on March 31st, but uh, I certainly don't think they're going to get a rainy day.
1: No, I I don't. Pretty yeah. Sure. It, it promises to be a great day on March 31st. The beautiful Washington Lake Park in Civil, Bishop Sullivan will be celebrating Mass. There'll be food. There'll be fun. There, there'll be dancing. It's just neat, Mike. I, I love seeing, uh, I love seeing the priests and the religious dancing to the DJ. Normally, one of the priests has been a DJ the last couple of years. Yeah. I hope that's the same case. So again, March 31st at Washington Lake Park in Sewell, and more info will be uh, released later on. We're excited. Save the date. And Mike, so can we talk about? Uh, well, you can talk about who, what podcast is this? You were at this.
2: Uh. Yeah, it's uh, it was thoroughly. It was sort of a on-the-fly podcast. We um, we had found out that Rowan Catholic Campus Ministry was going to have a presentation about um, some of their members having gone down to the Texas-Mexico border and spent some time with Sister Norma. P- Pimentel, as part of a uh, share the journey pilgrimage sponsored by Catholic Charities, and um, when we heard the kids were gonna we're gonna talk about it with the with the other members of the Roman Catholic Campus Ministry, we asked if we could come with our uh, with our equipment, and uh, we just recorded it as uh, as presented. So uh, it's no Q and A; it's just them talking about their trip. But um, I think it's pretty nice, and uh, they were really enthusiastic, and they really had a great time, and uh, it's they had some unique perspectives on it which i think are is good for people to hear and uh, mary mccusker was in attendance too i think she may have asked one or two questions or commented about things because she too was on the trip down to the border so um so yeah it should be should be good so we hope people enjoy the listen yeah
1: i hope so too yep and next week mike we got a lot of just we got a lot of cool uh podcasts coming up
2: yeah the
1: the next yeah well we we we, yeah, we're uh, we're pretty good. We, a lot of great, exciting stuff. Yeah.
2: So uh, take a listen to this, and uh, we'll talk to you guys later.
0: All right. So, again, for most of you, um, you all know me. But like I said, my name is Tim, uh, Timothy Broderick. Uh, I'm a junior here at Rowan University. And so what we're going to do real quick is so me, Krista, JP, Bree, Deacon Aaron, and Mary, we're able to share our trip on... Uh, This Share the Journey pilgrimage, Uh, we took it the second week of January, and we are just going to give little quick testimonies about why we went and, like, how it affected us. Um, So I'll start off. Um, Personally, when I first heard about this trip, like, I just thought of it as a, one, as a cool way to help out people down there, Um, and really just to get, like, an idea. Um, I've always heard people talking about this issue, and I really was like, I've been recently um, since growing in faith desiring to gain more information on issues before I talk about them and I thought this was just such a great opportunity with such a like you know present issue in our country today um, so I thought this was a great way to like just get like first-hand experience on what we were actually dealing with and talking about um, and I definitely was able to get that on this trip and like you know like I said I in- intended to want to go and help people but these people ended up helping me and we'll talk about that more as the event goes on but really these people were truly um, incredible to witness Um, I'm learning Spanish now as a result of going on this trip because I really just want to connect with these people you know as a result of this trip so really I'm just looking forward to um, what the future holds and um, all that I can do as a result of this
3: Thanks, Tim. Um, I'm Krista Olette. I'm a sophomore at Rowan University, and the Share the Journey pilgrimage uh, for me was life-changing. Um, so, when I first heard about uh, the Solidarity pilgrimage, um, and I heard Yvonne talk about it, and then uh, a few students from Newman, we got to go to Catholic Relief Services Ambassador Training and learn more about the issue of um, migration and refugees. I, for me, like having this opportunity was the best. I, like, I was able to put my faith into action, and not just like talking about it, believing in it, whatever, like I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm making a difference, um, and I learned a lot too. I didn't. I thought like, I I know the issues of immigration. Like, <laughs> I thought I you know, um, I thought I had it all down. And but the issue is so much more complicated than I think any of us can just start to comprehend. And the, I don't know this. <laughs> I can't wait to go back. I was not ready to leave when we yeah, left.
0: That's so true. We were all so excited mm-hmm. to be there, and we, were, we really loved our time down there. So. Yeah.
3: It was just absolutely incredible. I can't wait to go back.
4: Okay, thanks, Krista. I'm J.P. Celebrato. I'm a sophomore. Uh, so I didn't know too much about uh, the trip. I kind of just got like a brief description of it, uh, kind of vague, so I really didn't know what I was going to get into and that's probably one of the reasons why i was hesitant to sign up i signed up on like the last day uh, of the deadline uh, and i really wasn't wasn't sure what to expect i also didn't really know too much about the whole immigration issue um, i'll just hear a little bit about it here and there and i never really had much of an opinion either and that's probably why uh, because i didn't know too much about the issue but i thought well i like to travel so i thought in on one side it'd be cool to go see different area the warm weather you know all that stuff but then I thought and that was really nice but then I thought well you know I I always I'm looking for ways to try to volunteer and try to serve others and you know as college students you know we're really busy and it's just kind of harder to do that you know you're stuck in your daily routine you have things you got to do so it's kind of hard to to reach out to others unless you really have like a good way and I thought well this is a good great way opportunity coming to me I thought I might as well take it uh and so it was really it just was uh it was it was that it was it was that it was a great opportunity to help other people and it also was kind of like a retreating experience in a way that we bonded with each other like I only knew a few people from the group uh there's a couple uh students from Stockton one from Rutgers Camden and we all got along we got along with our leaders everyone we just had a good time uh we pay, became better friends out of it and and, we, and as a as a whole, we were able to reach out to these to these immigrants coming through, and uh, I knew a little bit of Spanish going into it, so I thought, well, maybe I can use that, uh, and I did. You know, I was, it was limited, but uh, I was able to use it, and it was amazing how we could interact with them, given diff- given the language barrier and just everything that they go th- that they went through. Like you wouldn't like by the way they acted you know you wouldn't know like once you got to know them a little bit better and show like kind of gain their trust they started to laugh and smile and play like you guys were playing soccer with them Deacon Aaron and I were having a catch with that little kid who had a crazy arm (laughs) that was funny but yeah just like just the way we got to interact with them you know like I think that was probably the best part we got about the whole trip is just being at the respite center itself uh just hanging out with those people you know just and helping them and then and then in addition to that, all the other people we got to meet down there, another thing I was looking forward to was just the culture, the whole kind of like Spanish culture. And it's almost like being in Mexico without actually you know, being in Mexico, obviously, because everything's bilingual down there. It's like all these tight communities. We got to meet other some college students, some other families. So it was just really cool all in all just to help others and then just to meet other really cool people and have some, some cool experiences that I was not expecting. But, but yeah, that, that's what I took from it.
5: Thanks JP. Um, I'm Brianna Godfrey. I'm a senior at Rowan University. I first heard about this opportunity to do the uh, Solidarity Pilgrimage last last year when one of our former uh, members attended the uh, the pilgrimage. And I was a little hesitant first because of I didn't really understand like my own personal opinion about immigration. And um, just hesitant because of how divided I believe our country is on the matter of um, immigration but I'm so glad that I took the opportunity um, the, this past few weeks ago um, because it gave me a better understanding of how I feel and it changed my heart. I uh, just hearing the stories and getting to interact with all the um, people there and especially the children um, and just being able to serve them and to volunteer into which is what I really love doing and to help others and um, it was just a really good experience for me and, uh, <laughs>
0: Deacon,
6: do you want to share your experience? Sure. Uh, deacon Aaron Smith. I'm assigned here at the Newman Center in Glassboro at Rowan University. I'm a graduate of Rowan University, so it is a second home to me down here. I was originally supposed to go on the trip back in the fall of 2018 uh, or in the summer, but being a deacon, we work full-time, and getting time off from work is not always the easiest. Uh, so I was able to get off time to go with our students this year and I always say anytime you do a retreat experience and the people that are meant to be there are the ones that are there so I I couldn't imagine taking that trip with anybody else or any other group than the group we had we really bonded really well uh Yvonne our campus minister is not here tonight he's having car trouble um but you know he, he definitely led us it was a great experience we we got to interact with more than just the people that were coming from mexico and we we actually got a tour of the rio grande where you cross over it's only about 40 or 50 feet uh, across you know you think of rio grande that it's this big monstrous river but it's really not And we got to go uh, see what they actually swim over, cross over. We met with uh, people that live in the area. So, you know, the big word now is to build a wall down there. Well, there's actually going to be American citizens and American towns that would be stuck between the wall and the Mexican border. So we got to interact with them. That was an interesting uh, piece of information I I wasn't aware of before. Um, Just happened to be the same week as International Migration Week. And it happened to be the same week in the same town where President Trump came down to speak at, uh, at the wall down there. And I talked to Yvonne. I said, Yvonne, you couldn't have planned that any better. And of course he took credit for that, but it was not his, uh, not his doing, but it was, it was a great, uh, I I think it made the trip extra special. And anytime you help out, even like a food kitchen, uh, you know, you can usually do that here in Camden, but to, to be down there and have all that going on, uh, to meet with the people that live there, uh, to meet, we visited several churches it, it was definitely a unique experience i think the diocese has been doing this about a year year and a half I, I believe i'm the first member of clergy to go so i highly encourage any clergy out there listening to definitely take the trip uh in addition to anybody else uh, it was really a special trip it, it's one of those trips it takes several weeks today's january 30th we got back to, what january 11th and i'm still trying to process uh, all that i learned uh, the only picture that keeps coming to my mind, you know, when Jesus rose, they they didn't recognize him right away in the road to Emmaus. And I think with the people we we met with, we didn't realize they were Jesus at the time. But coming back, uh had time to reflect. I, I really feel that we, we met Jesus that week.
0: So. All right. So we're going to go over this uh, little PowerPoint presentation that Krista so beautifully uh, created for us here today. Um, And we're just going to go over a couple of things that we did when we were down there. Uh, So we did a lot of different things. Um, So let's start. And like I said, so this is where we spent a big chunk of our time. Uh, This is the whole group. Um, So as we went down, we're going down as part of Catholic Charities. And the Catholic Charities had a Rio Grande Valley district that had a respite center um, right down there in McAllen, Texas. And this respite center um, provided housing, Uh, clothes food shelter pretty much everything that you need to restore human dignity and that was a big theme of the solidarity pilgrimage is restoring human dignity to these people Um, a lot of these people spent up to three months walking on foot you know with really very little uh, commodities to make their travels with so they come dirty you know it's not easy this travel and it's definitely not like you said the most dignified Um, way to come into a country but the hum, uh, the respite center does a really great job of bringing smile to these people's faces and I think that was such a an awesome experience to be a part of so like I said we would spend um every day we went down there we spent a little bit of time at the respite center probably about anywhere from three to four hours um sometimes less, sometimes more I think um but we got assigned different tasks like I said um, me personally I was able to do a couple different things one of the ones that was really um Challenging and fun was handing out clothes and like I said to someone who doesn't speak Spanish It is a little tough to communicate with somebody who does not speak English But you do get those little keywords and like I said when you see the smile on somebody's face who you know Got a clean shirt for the first time in four or five months. It's it's a pretty cool thing to see Um, And then the other thing that was a lot of fun and really just truly a really cool experience was just being able to play with These little kids Uh, we played soccer and um, you're gonna see right here just some of the stuff. Um, I don't know if there's any pictures of us playing soccer. I have it on my phone. Um, but it doesn't matter. I mean, like I said, I'm just going over the Respite Center really, which is like all these pictures are from the Respite Center. And so um, at the Respite Center, we got a really good opportunity just to, like I said, interact with some of the little kids. And you know, when you see a smile on somebody's face like that, like I don't know about any of you, but like if I had just walked three months I don't know if i'd be the most pleasant person to be around you know i'm not the most pleasant person to be around after i go to a three-hour thermal class you know what i mean so like let alone walking for three months just to come to a country where i know nobody you know and to have a smile on my face the next day playing soccer like that's pretty cool so like i said that's something for me that i experienced and you really get to see like jesus at work in these people um so I'm gonna hand it over to JP now. Uh, we're gonna talk about I don't know what next I see on the slide. So yeah, we can I'll have JP talk about a little bit of uh, our experience at the border and our experience uh, interacting with border patrol officers.
4: Thanks. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, so this was a uh, this was a pretty cool day as you can see on the far the top left, that's the current wall as he, as they call it there. Um, and that's actually what about a mile from the river because of how windy the river is. it's actually about a mile back away from the river. Uh, and it's kind of funny, that's like a little trolley that we took there, that was kind of interesting, was not expecting that, but um, there's Sister Norma in the top, on the right, far right of the top left picture, uh, and for, you, for those of you who don't know her, she's kind of like a local celebrity down there, I mean, and if you do a Google search of her, there's pictures of her with like the Pope and everything, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, and she I think she knew that Border Patrol agent, but he's uh, that guy up there the in the green He's a Border Patrol agent who worked down there uh, and at the time they were working uh, Just as a side note it was when the government was still shut down So he was working for free or without pay, right? So he uh, made mentioned that which is kind of a tough thing But it was pretty cool to see we got to talk to the Border Patrol agent just about like What what they experience and what their job is? Uh, what how how the immigrants come through uh, we, got to, we got to see the river. It's, it's amazing how windy it is. Um, but uh, anything else you should add?
6: Yeah, if I could add, Deacon Aaron. Uh, we, we met with the Border Patrol agent. I happened to be wearing a Knights of Columbus shirt that day. And if you see seen the pictures, you can see the emblem. And he pointed out that, hey, I'm a member of Knights of Columbus too. I'm Catholic. And, you know, he said, look, I got a family too. We're, we're just trying to do the best we can with the situation they're on very good terms down there with the catholic church the border patrol and sister norma and uh that was one of the surprises you know how well everybody got along you, you would think there's some aggression but absolutely not uh, both sides worked very well together and seems like they're trying to all accomplish the same mission we all just have a little different piece of it but he, he was catholic he, you know he pointed that out um he was working for no pay at the time because of the government shutdown um, and I'll talk about a little bit about sister Norma a little later. I got a little funny story about sister Norma, but, um, So we went through a couple slides. I want to we
0: can, like I said We were able to, like I said, we were able to go and the border. Oh yeah, sorry. Sorry about not talking to the mic. So we were able to go, like I said, we spent one day at the border and that was a really cool experience. Um, the next day, I don't know if Krista has any pictures of it, but we got to meet some of the kids from a Newman center at, utrgv here we go uh so like i said newman center just like us um university of texas rio Grande valley um and like i said we got to meet them what an awesome group of kids first of all like it's really cool like it's cool when you get to see people like your own university but like seeing people at other universities too that also share your faith that share you know that same style and desire to worship jesus is really cool um and like i said um well, I'm going to have Brianna talk about it a little bit because we want her in this as well. Um, and we're just going to like sh- let her talk about how uh, our experience was down there meeting them.
5: Right, so like Tim said, we went to um, the University of Texas, the Rio Grande Valley. Um, and we just we like start out with fellowshipping and just, you know, we shared food and we danced and it was just a really fun experience. And um, they shared some of their um experiences of their culture living in texas and living um mcallen mcallen and uh, you know being so close to what's going on down there and um just sharing like a little bit about their faith their journey um and we shared a little bit of our journey and our like culture and living in new jersey with them which was really a good like culture shock for them um a lot of different things and Krista would like to share some things about that
3: I think we had the most fun talking about the differences between Texas and New Jersey. Yeah, that was a lot of, that a that lot of was, fun. We would not stop laughing, and it was ju- it was so great to, I don't know, talk about our differences, but then just they, still have that, yeah.
7: They now that, know like, what the really- word John means. Oh
0: yeah, they now know what the word John is. Somewhere at the border in Texas. Is-
3: <laughs> yeah so if you're you know so
0: when you hear it spread like wildfire down the south you'll know where it started it, was my it came fault. from it came sorry, from the university sorry. uh the rowan university's newman center <laughs> so yeah again then we got to meet them and um I don't know what my next step is. well let's see they let's go like i said yeah they had dinner for us food down there like i said if that wasn't mentioned before the food down there was fantastic yeah oh so this is a really cool experience um i'm gonna touch on this if i can so we were able to meet not only um the newman club at utrgv but we met a youth group that was much closer to the actual border in a town called uh, los ebanos and they live in what are called colonias now colonias are um very uh latino style housing um like or i don't want to say housing but like That's how towns are constructed in these La uh, La Colonia ways. And basically what it is is the rich live right next door to the poor. Like, you'll see one house, and it's a beautiful, well-built landscaped beautifully. And then you'll see the house next door, and it's barely standing on its four legs. You know what I mean? Like, it literally is... um, it's kind of crazy. It's weird. Like we have like, we have rich communities here in New Jersey and we have poor communities and they're very distinct and separate. It is not the same way down in Los Ebinos. And we got to meet, like I said, with the youth group and with, um, some of the women in the local church groups and they welcomed us so graciously, uh, their love and their kindness was so evident. Um, like I said you truly like saw the love of Jesus Christ in these people and when I tell you they had that loving mother effects not only for the people there but for us like they were so excited to have us they were singing songs um, We they were talking I'm trying to remember the exact message that was um, spoken there if anybody can does anybody remember exactly the message that we talked about I want to say it had to do it had to do with love and it had to do with respecting one another and being able to know that No matter how bad somebody hurts you, or how bad somebody might disagree with you, like we were talking about, I think a little bit about how people are gonna have different opinions on border patrol issues or wall issues. It doesn't matter. Like we're still all people of God. Like conservative, liberal, you know, whatever. Um, Showing love is the most important thing, and knowing that God loves you in return is is a really cool thing. So yeah, meeting them was really awesome. Can I
7: chime in real quick? Yeah, please, Mary, go ahead. Was it you who we were looking for and then after 20 minutes we realized it was you were touring the home that the woman took you into their house oh so uh, no or it was so I'm going to I'm gonna tell we them. were trying to find people and then I no, was inside it, it, this it, this it, it, woman's <laughs> home this group of women uh this prayer group and it was just so funny there are photos everywhere and they're just you know giving us a tour and this is after they just fed a group of like 30 people <laughs> we we didn't even know that they were going to feed us but you're right with that sense of hospitality it was just oh
0: so it, it was, was so evident yeah no but so she was Mary was mentioning Some kid we got lost Basically in the house <laughs> Imagine somebody Coming into your house And screaming bathroom Alright so he The only word he knew Was Bano But he didn't even say it right He was like Bono Like you know Like what <laughs> You know like come on Like you're not even Going to pronounce it right Like it's it, it's not that hard But uh, we love Luke. Luke He's a great guy is something guy. else <laughs> He is something else But shout out Luke You know Lou Schott and Rutgers Camden uh he's really gonna be a pioneer over at the Rutgers Camden Newman so we're we're really praying for you and we're out there for you buddy so if you're hearing this Tim loves you brother um (laughs) anyway so like I said someone comes in your house screaming bathroom what are you supposed to do like I I don't know what's this you know what's this kid doing in my house like you want to know where the bathroom is like is that what you want do you want to decorate my bathroom you want to clean it like what do you want Anyway, so, like I said, Luke's funny kid, but uh, no, their, their sense of hospitality was unmatched, and it was truly awesome. Um, and I... Yeah, please.
6: I thought it was a great example of evangelization, because they brought us into... There was a, a woman's group down there that meets every Thursday night, and instead of taking time out to, to come to us, they brought us to them, and we were a part of their uh, Thursday night women's uh, prayer group, so I thought that was a pretty nice, good example of evangelization they got us right involved in what they usually do they were singing and food they gave and, us a beautiful blessing too
0: yeah, was, uh they had uh, a blessing with uh water that they do um i think it was for guests and they welcomed us in so welcoming and like i said it had to do with the, the culture of how jesus loves us and how we are children of god like you know so they like i said hospitality was great and for us to go to them was really cool yeah, it's up
1: there.
3: um Thanks. Sorry. Um, uh, yeah, so I think that was really, really awesome. I think that was pro- probably my favorite part of the night. Um, they put rose petals and I think oil and water. Yeah, this together, is in regards you know, to their blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we blessed each other. And what was, does anyone remember, like, what we said? It was something about, like, remember that you are.
7: One of the lines was, you are loved. And I can't remember the other one I was working like with. You were, the you were, Spanish I think it was English "You Are a Child of God."
0: Yeah,
3: and "You yeah. Were yes. a Child of God." Yeah, that, that was, was really it. beautiful. But I also think it had to do with the reading that week was uh, Jesus' baptism. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Another cool thing from that night, real quick, towards the end of the night, Tim and I got to talk to one of the the uh, sisters of the group. I think they were from a family of what nine sisters. Yeah. How much and, they
0: love talking about their family. Yeah, was really and cool. it, was, it
4: was really cool because she. You could tell she. Obviously, English was her second language, and uh, but she was—we were able to, you know, get along and talk and everything. And we were talking about learn, you know, learning languages and her family and just all kinds of things. Them com- coming from Mexico, and Tim and I had just such a long conversation with her. It was really—it was really cool, though, see how uh that was just one example of how friendly they were and open to us it's almost as if you know you're going to like a thanksgiving dinner with your family you know and talking with relatives or something you know yeah i can't i really really just can't say it
0: enough like these people were so welcoming and so loving like truly like that's the theme of the story that jp like all of us can't stop saying it's like how much they truly were an awesome group of people um and like i said it's you know it's just awesome uh, so let's see, like I said, I, this is, I think that was the majority of what we did. We also did have, I'll chime in on it. We did actually were able to, um, some of us who did not take this trip before were able to go on, um, to, um, blessing of the elderly trips. Mm-hmm. So there were two elderly, um, one woman and one man, um, that the church, uh, down there in Los Abanos actually goes and helps anoint and helps take care of. And they just provide that sense of, um, community and family and, um, to these people who don't have, you know, that like present in their lives. And we got to hear their stories and they were just so grateful that we were there listening to their stories and they didn't speak English. So, you know, they're sitting there speaking their story in Spanish and knowing that we don't understand them, but the fact that they were, we were there with open ears listening, was all that they cared about and it was just like I said it was really refreshing just to be down there and to see what these people are doing because we were able to meet um, one of the other sisters not sister Norma but sister Anne who goes and does this and, and just is there to be with people who need to be who need other people to be around them and like I said these people had awesome stories to tell sister Anne was very good at translating them and letting us hear what they had to say so that was also really cool
3: what I thought was really really interesting was the one um man that we visited he only spoke spanish but he was born in america yeah. i i mean i guess for me like my dad had the same situation growing up in maine he his first language was french he didn't speak english until he moved out to new jersey but i guess you don't really think of it the other way um or you don't think about other cultures or other people having that
0: yeah, you, don't, uh, you don't think about coming to America and only knowing... Like, being born in America and not knowing English. Like, right. It just doesn't sound right, but it's true. For some people, that's how it is. Yeah. Well, um, like I said, I think that wraps up our trip pretty well. Um, I don't know if anybody has any last comments. Mary? Deacon? Deacon? Yeah.
6: Uh, I just want to say... Uh, about sister norma if, if anybody's out there if you google sister norma pimentel you can see she's had a lot of interaction with pope francis pope francis actually pointed her out uh, when he was doing a, a visual uh, tour of i think it was part of texas about 2015 it was a 2020 special on abc and he actually acknowledges her uh she's she's uh non-stop she's amazing you know, people say when they saw Mother Teresa, she was a living saint. You could see it, and, you know, I have no power to canonize her or anything, but she she definitely appeared to be, like, a living saint. Uh, she was she was nonstop. She took the time to, to take us on a tour. I mean, it was a crazy week down there. Week It was the week uh, national events with President uh, Trump talking about the border, and there was tons of media down there in and out of the Respite Center again. I told Yvonne, you know, he picked a great week, and, you know, he— he uh admits that that just happened um but she took the time out for us and when she first arrived just this big chevy tahoe pulls up and if you picture sister norma she's only about five four five five or so this big chevy tahoe comes driving by pretty fast and bumper sticker on the back says texas catholic i was like oh i wonder what a texas catholic is but out steps sister norma she says follow me about a half hour away is when we got to the border but She drives about 90 miles an hour, so that half hour turned into about 10 minutes, and we got done, I said, sister, I said, you would be great on New Jersey Turnpike.
0: She got a a lot of places to be, and she knows how to get there pretty quick.
6: She is nonstop, so God uh, God has blessed us with her presence that way.
0: Amen, and like I said, Deacon was saying how, you know, we don't necessarily have the power to canonize her, but... If she needs witnesses, she definitely got 14 more. I think this past trip, so she got 14 more witnesses to say how awesome of a person she was. So, like I said, sister Aunt uh, Sister Norma, if you are by some chance listening to this, because I know you are busy, uh, like I said,
6: just one other picture. I do want to point out that it jumps out at me. I think Mary, you took this picture. If you see the the bottom middle picture, it's a picture every day. Uh, what happens at the respite center they get dropped off they're processed through ICE every day about 1230 they drop off anywhere between 50 to 500 uh, families uh, a lot of kids it was amazing how at least half the people there are kids I'd say under 10 years old but uh, Mary took this one picture if you see there's an older lady every day at 1230 she's a retired teacher she has an educational doctorate I was talking to her for a little bit she comes here every day at 1230 all the new kids because the kids are out going by the next day to catch buses um Every day she comes in at twelve thirty and teaches all those kids how to say my name is whatever in English, and they all can count in English to ten by the end of the day. So, but if you see in the picture behind it, that was a live picture of the President Trump was talking. He was in that town. And those kids were trying to watch it, even though they didn't understand uh, English. But it, I just thought it was a unique picture that was captured that day.
0: So, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, but we're gonna open it up to questions now. So, we did experience a lot, and we were. Uh, hopefully, I think we're going to be able to answer some of your questions. But we encourage you to ask any question you want. So, Chris is going to go around, passing around her mic. Uh, guys, anybody have questions? Like, seriously, anything. Yeah. We're here for you. We want to listen. I'll ask questions if you guys want me to ask questions. But I have a question. Go ahead.
7: Um, so, each night, uh, Ivan Suarez he led Reflections with our group. And this is where he really in my opinion, just shown the way he was able to tie Catholic social teaching to what we experienced that day. And um, it gave us an opportunity to to talk and, and reflect and just have some great discussions. And I think one of my biggest takeaways, and I can't remember who I was talking to about this, um, was the whole, the whole idea of accompaniment. And how at times it was really frustrating you, you see people who are who are dirty and hungry you don't know what their future holds if they're even going to be allowed to stay in this country um you know they get a taste of hospitality they could very well be sent back to their their country of origin so the you know your natural instinct is help 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 you just want to help them in any way you can and I think that night um Yvonne I forget what reading it it was Was it Marcia and Mary? Uh, Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha. That's right. And just the idea of, and here's the difference between the solidarity pilgrimage and a mission trip. We aren't there to fix everything, right? But it was interesting to hear his take and everybody else's take on just the idea of how much sitting some sitting with somebody and just listening to them can do. Even if you don't speak the same language. There was, you know, at one point, one girl just kept talking in Spanish, and I could understand bits and pieces, and I kept saying in Spanish, I'm so sorry, I don't understand what you're saying, and, you know, I'm, I'm sweating, I'm getting nervous, and then eventually I just stopped. Um, and she was saying whatever she was saying, and... It was just really really interesting to kind of understand that some people just want to be heard and if you know your face is the first smiling face they've seen in god only knows how long you know just sitting there with them and being present there's a lot to be said for that and that's something that's been in the back of my mind ever since i came back you know no
0: I definitely so like I said um, I think we have all can attest to just being there and like you know being in situations where you just want somebody to listen to your situation you don't necessarily want somebody to give you advice you don't want somebody to tell you what they want you know or what they think is best you want somebody there to just listen to just hear you know you have somebody pass away in your house you have somebody you know you go through a tough breakup you fail a class yada 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 whatever it is you just want somebody to listen You just want somebody to know that they're there for you. And a lot of times that person doesn't necessarily have to be your best friend. You know, it could be somebody you just met. And like I said, for us, that whole theme of a company that Mary was talking about, like that is what I truly think that we were able to do on this pilgrimage. Like if we did anything for them, that's what we did. We were there for them. And I got to be honest, like it was really like eye-opening. It's not only eye-opening, but it's like, it just it's very relatable like this is not something that you just see in the border issues it's something you see in everyday life just you know wanting to be heard wanting to be hurt like like heard out um, is very common so yeah it's definitely not something to just take from a border situation it's something about being a Catholic in general and being a Christian and being you know somebody who lives a life by Jesus Christ is you know that's what it's about it's about being there so yeah if anybody else wants to comment on that please um,
7: or any questions in general. Yeah, please. Don't be shy. Sure. Tom, yeah.
0: Krista, would you yeah. mind handing the mic to Tom? Yeah. Tom, just tell us a little bit about yourself before you speak.
2: Okay, so I'm Tom Vidika. I'm a sophomore here at Rowan University. And, um, yeah, I was wondering, are is anybody staying in contact with some of the, the people who we've met here?
0: I got one. So I did meet one guy. His name is Sebi. Cool dude. Uh, if Krista could go through the thing, I could show you who it is. He's in one of the pictures. Um, really cool dude. I'll tell you his story a little bit if you'd like. So he's actually down there in that picture, kid with the little wavy hair and beard, like dead in the middle next to Krista, kneeling down. You're right there. There you go. Uh, Seb's an awesome dude. So this is actually the person I got to talk to when we went on these. That we met the youth group. Um, Seb is really cool guy. Uh, he's actually a, like not a professional dancer, but he's pursuing dance says something like he really wants to do yeah he's like really awesome guy um and i was able to talk to him just like about like just like how's like it like being going into high school or going into college like as a kid on the border like he was telling me stories about how he's seen people come in across the border and are like you know frantically running for their life and then he's told me stories about how like you know sometimes and this happens border patrol will pull him over just because of his race and his nationality There are a ton of different, like, you know, things that this kid deals with on a daily basis that are 100% different from ours. Um, But there's a lot of things that were very similar. He was telling me, he's like, listen, I do speak Spanish, but, like, most people down here can't speak English and do speak English that are below the age of, like, I would say 30 or 40. Um, Because kids being born here they do for the most part learn English and like I said it was kind of like oh I just figured you know if everybody if all the adults speak Spanish all the kids speak Spanish and you know nobody learns English no like down there in the schools like they're regular schools and he was telling me like you know there's cliques in the school there's the rich kids and there's the poor kids and there's the you know the jocks and the nerds and all that sort of stuff like there's relatable aspects and all sorts of things, but Seb was a really cool guy, and that's who I got to personally meet. Uh, we did split into different groups, so I don't know if anybody else is still in contact with anybody, yeah. but like.
4: Yeah, as far as staying in contact, you know, they're, especially with the kids from, uh, the students from our UTRGV, they're just, you know, college students just like us, so some of us uh, exchange Snapchats and Instagrams and stuff like that, so I exchange Snapchats with, uh, with one, of the, one of the students there uh you know keep it in contact so yeah it was, it was pretty cool we got to, some of us you know we kind of made a connection uh and so we got to keep in contact that way
3: yeah definitely the students from uh UTRGV man i have never laughed so hard with a group of people in my entire yeah, life yeah what, was, it, so what was the girl in the
0: Reese's shirt's name i want to say it was alissa or alicia uh alisa yeah
3: alisa. Alisa. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah so she... it's a it's a shirt but it actually says jesus So, it was actually, it was really cool. Like, she was honestly just, she was a ball of joy. Like, she was so much fun. Oh, my God. And she was telling us, like, you know, how much, and like I said, the food is way better in Texas than it is in New Jersey, if you ask me, though. Um, And she was telling me all about how much she loves the food down there, and I was like, I'm so jealous of you. But, you know. Well,
3: I told her about pork roll, and now she wants to come up here, so. That's
0: true. She does want to come up here, so we can definitely give her that.
3: Yeah, I, uh, when we came back, uh, we had snow. So the first thing that I did was when I walked outside was I took a picture and I sent it to all the UTRGV kids mm-hmm. they're like oh my gosh because <laughs> mm-hmm. they get snow like once every 10 years.
0: Yeah and so. I'm telling them the same thing right now except I'm jealous of them and I'm like you know <laughs> I don't want to be in this cold weather. I not want to be down there where it's like 65, Just 70 degrees. Yeah right?
7: <laughs> Krista can you go back to the other slide of everyone in front of the river? Uh, Yeah there you go. Um, so that bottom left picture it's it's our our group that was there and, um, you know, some local parishioners and just local people involved in, in the parishes. And there is one girl in in the front in the black hoodie and jeans on the right. Her name's Elena. I got talking with her for quite some time. I thought that she was maybe 30 or so just by the, the way that she spoke and how articulate she was. And I found out she was 20 years old. And if you can see in that picture um there's the river right and then that's mexico on the other side and there's kind of like a, a drop-off point point. and she was telling me a story um i said have you been to this little beautiful spot here before she said yeah my one of my earliest memories was coming down to that very spot where that picture was taken Um, I was fishing with with my family members, and we heard gunshots on the other side of the river. Um, There was a man running, and somebody shot him. Um, And I guess that person thought that, that he died right then and there, when in reality, he was kind of on top of that little incline there. And she said, that's one of my earliest memories, was hearing this man screaming for help for for hours on end Um, and just watching him she said sorry I know this is graphic but I I remember just watching the blood flow down that side of the incline and into the river she said I didn't I haven't really been back since that so it's it's and then she also has has relatives who live on the other side of the river too so you know it's it was just very startling to hear um a lot of the trauma that these people have been through and you know she's still in support of of you know helping immigrants come to the country and being empathetic and and welcoming but again this speaks to the whole gray area of this entire issue she does understand very well you know kind of the the trauma that that people often face down there you know so again it's somebody said earlier just like the enormous complexity of this situation it's not it's not black and white and it's in our nature to want to simplify things that but this is immigration is one of those things that just can't be simplified
6: (laughs) Yeah, I, I agree with Mary. You know, before I went down, I thought it was pretty much just the cut and dry issue. But there's it's a very complex issue. Uh, one of the things I learned down there is that right across where we see the picture there is Mexico. It's filled with dr- the biggest amount of drug cartels in Mexico, right 50 feet across the uh, little Rio Grande there. And apparently, big thing for the drug cartels is they do not like the immigrants traveling through that area into America because the Border Patrol, and they have blimps up and they have all this law enforcement uh, detection. So it interferes with the drug cartel and bringing the drugs into America. So they actually uh, uh, try to kill the immigrants before they get over into the American soil. So you would think the biggest worry that the immigrants have to worry about is Border Patrol, but actually the Border Patrol is, you know, they're, they're not going to hurt them um, they're worried more about the drug cartels and and killing them which is you know another part of this complex issue that's down there
0: so again guys I know this might sound like a lot but seriously there's no question that's too small too weird too one-sided like please yeah Joe go ahead thank you buddy tell us a little bit about yourself again
7: okay so I guess I'm a transfer student sort of more like a non-traditional student here at Rowan uh, coming to get a second degree um, my question for you guys is, you mentioned that you got to hear a lot of the stories that the people across the board were telling you. Um, I know a lot of them were in Spanish and you didn't understand, but were there any that really stuck out to you that you did understand? And like, what maybe what your favorite stories were that you heard?
0: So there's two types of stories. Um, do you want to know, like, from like the immigrants coming in, or do you want to know from like the youth groups or the from or, the
7: immigrants coming in?
0: Um, so, like I said, unfortunately, I'll tell my story, and if anyone wants to chime in, please feel do. Um, I was able to make two little kids, like, and one older, like one I would say probably man in his thirties, and um, I wasn't able to say much. I wasn't able to get across much. I knew the little girl was coming from Honduras, and she was heading to San Francisco. And I was able to dance with this little girl. She was so cute. Like, oh my gosh, like, broke my heart, you know? Um, That's me trying to do a southern accent. But um, legitimately, like, it was just, and like, she was just so filled with love. And like I said, it goes back to what I was saying before. Like, imagine traveling three months, like, through Mexico, you know? Not a lot of food, not a lot of water, not a lot of anything for that matter. And then having a smile on your face the next day. Like I said, I was saying before, I don't have a smile after my face at three hours in class. Like, mm-hmm. how do you have a smile on your face the day after you just finished a three-month trip? You know, like, uh, it's it's incredible, but it's so true. And, like, they were so grateful for us to be there. There was one kid on crutches, yeah, or one, like you said, maybe just becoming a man, like twenty, like early 20s man, like that had that had crutches. Or maybe even maybe even younger, right? Sixteen, 16 or seventeen? Yeah, sorry. Um, so even younger, and he was on crutches because he had just recently had a gunshot wound. Like, that's crazy. Like what? Like, like we may deal with this sometimes in our country, but it's a very rare and frequent. Like it's a very infrequent thing, you know. And we take it for granted sometimes. But I mean, this is a real life issue for some people on a daily basis. And I think that was the biggest thing that I actually learned down there was the reason why they're coming to the country so most people i think and myself included before the trip think that most people coming in are mexican and i'm definitely guilty of this but most of them are actually coming from central america and the reason why they're fleeing from central america is because there's the gang violence that's occurring down in the central american region and a little bit about why you'd be coming in and like i said somebody please feel free to interrupt or correct what i'm saying because i'm not 100 percent certain of this but i'm pretty certain um, so gang when you come to this country you're gonna plea for asylum that happens when you go to these you get you come across the border and the border patrol agency will bring you to detention centers and those detention centers will then give you a, court, a, a range of dates where you can be heard in front of the court and plea for asylum now one common way to be granted asylum is through proving that you were from um, a country of war like if a country's in war Usually, you'll be granted asylum. However, um, gang violence is considered to be violence and not war. So, a lot of times, people won't be granted asylum based on that simple fact. Now, it's tough for me to hear that statement and feel like gang violence isn't war. When gangs are fighting in the middle of the street and innocent civilian lives are being taken, and when they're these gangs are recruiting your sons and then harming and destroying your daughters, I can't imagine that's not considered war, or considered something that asylum shouldn't be granted over. Um, so, it's tough for me to hear that, and that's something that was, like I said, that stuck really on my heart. Um, but, going back to your question about some of the stories that I heard, I was able to talk to one guy, Kevin, who actually spoke a little bit of English. Um, like I said, he was able to tell me, like, how the, that was the, that he confirmed that that was the reason that he left with his family. He was telling me he was trying to get away from the gangs. Like, that's that's the, the few words that I was able to get out of him, was he said, we're leaving because of the gangs. And, I mean, it, that's like, it, it breaks your heart a little bit that that could be going on somewhere.
7: Yeah, and um, just the whole, I mean, to put yourself in their shoes for a minute, um, you know, there, when we visited the the. The river at one point we were talking to a border patrol agent we were talking to sister norma um, we learned about one woman who um was led to one of the most dangerous parts of the river so it looks peaceful but there are all sorts of undercurrents and um it was the border patrol agent who said people are more likely to drown in this river than to um, survive swimming across and we were told one story about a woman who was there with her son and her baby and the guy who led her there um i don't he was a coyote not the animal i don't know if everyone knows what that means but they're pretty much the, i think the definition is people smuggler so they'll say hey we'll take you across mexico to the border um you pay us this amount and and we'll take you there but unfortunately <laughs> they kill people along the way they'll take their money and all of their documentation and kill them anyway or they'll lead them to a part of the river that they know full well is incredibly dangerous to cross um because in their minds what incentive do they really have to keep these people alive so that's a whole other level of you know but um one the one story was that a woman was crossing and she was told here, you know, cross here. It's shallow. Um, she took a few steps into the water with you know baby in one hand, five year old in the other, and immediately the baby got washed away um, and drowned. When she she was able, she nearly drowned herself, but she and the, her five year old made it. And it turns out um that was now the fourth family member who was who died. Um back in Honduras where she came from. Her husband and I believe her eldest son her two eldest sons and her husband were kidnapped um and held for ransom. And a lot of people think, okay, well if they're fleeing gang violence they must be involved in a gang right but that's really not how it is i mean in in communities and towns of these countries where there's just lawlessness and you know police won't step in because they're getting paid off by the cartels and the towns are are run by by cartels and and gangs you know you can't just call 911 but this woman her her sons and her husband were kidnapped held for ransom They contacted her and said you know give us x amount of money and she did and she then found out that they murdered her her sons and her husband anyway um and that for her was the last straw that's when she she left so i mean it's just it's heartbreaking to hear that and then you know she made it all the way thousands of miles through mexico with an infant in one hand and a five-year-old just to get to the river 40 50 feet away from you know um the us just to to lose another infant so you know thank god she and her other kid made it here but like that's unfortunately one of the many types of stories that that you'll hear um and, you know, as Tim said, it's it's unfathomable to me how violence isn't considered, you know, good enough reason to, to seek asylum. Yeah. Sorry, I feel like I'm the downer in this conversation. I'm sharing just, all it's the, not the an, sad an, It's not stories. an easy conversation
0: to have, but this is why we have it. <laughs> I'll, ahead, I'll, I'll try to lighten the
6: mood a little bit then. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you know, as a permanent deacon, we, we're married and we have children, so... It was in the room with uh jp and and tim we were trying to help people uh the, the men's room with clothes and you know, i i took french in high school so i, I kick myself now that i wish I took spanish but those guys knew a little bit like pantalonis is pants now i'm very impressed I, it's all I that know,
0: duolingo knowledge he's got i'm I, telling I you that's, that's a good app um, for all you looking out there but
6: it, you know we talk about did you communicate there's a lot of stuff that was kind of frustrating that week that i couldn't understand what they're saying and part of that the, the there's a rationale behind that because they want us to experience what it's like for them to have to travel and not understand the the language too but you know as a father I I could see some universal signs again there's a lot of children and it was amazing how many children there was one little boy that uh, JP brought up earlier one little boy that was just in the corner crying and I you know I know that universal uh, language so I went in the other room and I I grabbed the football and I'm sure that kid never held a football before but we started having to catch and that that kid in six years old had a gun on his arm. So unfortunately I probably created the next Cowboys starting quarterback down the line, but, but, uh, you know, that universal language, um, and then his dad, he's got his clothes and they had to go. And the dad took him out of the room and he left the football and the kid started crying. I said, well, I know what that language is. You know, I don't need no Spanish for that. And I, We gave him the football to take and he had a big smile. So it was, uh, sometimes you don't need to, um,
1: not always take a lot. To know what they're saying? Yeah.
5: So I think for one thing that stuck with me, um, I was heading to go play out back with at the rec center with um, a few of the kids and Alicia, one of the other students from Stockton who came with us. Um, we're playing with the children also, so I joined her and there's a father there with his son. And he was trying to say something in Spanish to us and us not really knowing enough Spanish to really understand exactly what he was saying um, Alicia gave him her phone and she he types um, in Google Translate something and it translated into from Spanish to English that we already love our new home and so like I had so many mixed emotions about this I was really like happy and like I thought it was really sweet um, just because of the fact that like he had just met us and he felt like he could trust us and he was happy and Um, From everything that they already have been going through for months and even for years back in their home country and but then also felt really sad because there's no guarantee that this is going to be their home just because of being the possibility of being deported
6: I think one of the bright spots though the respite center we were interacting with people that were uh, in the country for no more than 72 hours I believe is what we were told and what happens every day again I said at 1230 this large bus arrives or bus loads uh, several buses of of the people that are, that are being released from ICE detention after 72 hours in the country. And when they get off that, that van or off the, that bus, their faces are just very down and very sad. And when they walk in the building, everybody claps and, and, and welcomes them. And you, you see within 15, 20 minutes, their whole demeanor changes. And, you know, that's, that's why the Respite Center started before people were just being released from the ICE centers down there and just let loose in the town to sit at the bus stop until the next day, no food, no clothes, and... Those no showers and the, Sister Norma again uh, is the one that all the need and stepped up and got Catholic Charities and uh, got us down there eventually.
0: Yeah, just uh, like I said, I was talking about the Respite Center earlier, like they really do a great job down there. Um, thinking was saying, like I said, how it, it doesn't take long for them to feel welcomed. And uh, the really cool part is just how they so a lot of these people come into this country and do know somebody or someone in this country, and they all it's funny you'll hear them and they'll come in and they'll be like yeah i'm gonna to go to minnesota and i'm like you're crazy you know that right <laughs> like you know it's nothing like honduras in minnesota it's like it's two degrees up there and but they usually do a great job of like i said they um they have a team at the respite center that helps um these people coming into the country reach out to the people that they do know and they help arrange bus tickets to these areas and Like I said, it only takes, you know, some of them no more than 24 or 36 hours before they're out and ready and they're on their bus and they're heading out. And, but you can feel like, like every day was so exciting going there because you knew like, man, I got such a great experience one day and now I get to do it all over again the next day, like with a whole different group of people. And you're kind of sad that you are not going to see the people you saw yesterday, but you know that you're just going to touch that many more lives. And I can't imagine. So like we were there for four days, five days. How many people they helped? Like, on a yearly basis, how many people do these people see? Like, and they were saying it was a slow time for us. Like, we were getting so 50, we 60 saw
7: like sixty to seventy families a day. Um, just a couple weeks prior to that, it was 500, it was like 500 600 right? yeah. a day. So it, it fluctuates; it varies. But since the respite center opened in two thousand fourteen, it's helped over one hundred thousand people. Yeah, and just to be incredible. clear, they're not just released and. And that's that, like, they're released with um, an ankle bracelet that's put on them at the facility, at the processing facilities. And, um, you know, another thing that the Respite Center helps with is giving them legal advice that they otherwise would not have understood. Things like, do not tamper with the ankle bracelet, or else, like, it'll start beeping and you will probably get picked up. <laughs> um, don't miss your hearing date. Don't, you know, just practical tips that they might not have been told at detention facilities that's always really important yeah
0: just giving them that extra you know five ten whatever percentage chance of it is to help them stay in the country i mean you don't know like i said like these people are new they don't know exactly how the legal system works here in america they don't know they don't know exactly what they're getting into sometimes so just all the information they do give them is truly awesome um but again i'm gonna open it up again questions please don't feel hesitant to ask oh we're gonna wrap it up all right so never mind Thank you all for coming. <laughs> really was... Honestly, for me, I can say this right now. It was a pleasure talking to all you about this.
6: It really yeah, cool. Yeah, same here. Same here.
3: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
6: I just want to say one final thing. Uh, Mary brought up the quote when we were there, and I, I did use it in the homily that, that I had. I had to preach, I think, a day and a half after we got back. But Mary said, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that have different views on the border. One way or the other should be... Build a huge wall, no wall. Uh, there, there's a couple different viewpoints. And Mary said that you don't need... To, to have empathy for somebody that's hurting doesn't affect your economic situation, so um, doesn't affect your pies is what which or exactly what it was. But
7: empathy is not a pot. Now I don't remember what it was. I, I, <laughs> empathy <laughs> doesn't take away
6: from the empathy whole thing. doesn't take away from your your own economic pie. So right, I you, know, that you was, can
7: still care for migrants, but I you that can was still a, care a great, great point point uh, to get back
6: to the, the Catholic social teaching. Yeah. So so
0: maybe we'll have the the clergyman close us in a little quick prayer. Um, he wouldn't mind in
6: the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen dear Heavenly Fathers, we leave here tonight let us internalize what we have heard whether we are on the journey in Texas or whether we were in the journey in Glassboro that week we know that you call us to love our brothers and sisters no matter what origin they are from because we know we all want to end up in the same origin with you, in your son's name we pray, Amen in the name amen. of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen